Amen, choir. Well, praise the Lord. I'm so happy that you're here today on Father's and Mother's Day. Emphasis on the fathers today. Now, um, in the Bible, our go-to text for fathers is often right here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, if you have it open. And it says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. That means don't always be exasperating them and poking them with a stick, kind of, so to speak, and getting them angry and upset, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Um, how many times do you think the word mother is found in the Bible? Would you say over a hundred? Is that a safe bet? Hmm? Over 200, maybe? Is that pushing it? We don't know. How many aren't sure? Raise your hand. 403 times. Mother or mothers mentioned in the Bible. All right. What about father? What about father? Do fathers get equal billing or um, mothers? Do they get more mentioned than fathers? How many times is father mentioned in the Bible? Over a hundred. Let's say that. Okay. Over a hundred. How many would say over 200? Raise your hand. Over 200. All right. Over 300. Anyone? A few more hands. Over 400. Anybody? Over 400. So at least equal with the mother. Over 500. Over 600. Well, okay. 600 times is a lot. Over 700. How many would say over 800? Now you may be wrong, you know, I'm just, I'm just adding a hundred. How about a thousand? Would anyone say over a thousand? 50,000? No, no, I wouldn't even go for that. But 1,822 times, 1,822 times the word father is found in the Bible. Now, someone might think, well, wait a minute. Does that mean the mothers aren't important? Oh, no, no, no. In fact, I think they're more important. Truth is that God has a lot more to ha He's got to say to the fathers. I think that's why we, we've got fathers mentioned so many more times is because they have so much more to learn, perhaps. Now, if you're a father here today or watching over the Internet, if you're a father, can I ask you this question? Are you a hero to your kids? Now, you might think, well, that's not a very fair question. I think it is. I think it is. A young man by the name of Patrick Henry Hughes. He's about 32 years old now. But back when he was about 20, they rolled him out onto stage in his wheelchair. And he was there at a ceremony to honor his father. Now, Young Patrick was born disadvantaged because he was born without eyeballs. So he's been blind totally since, since birth. He's never seen anything. His father came under great sense of personal conviction and responsibility for his son, Patrick. And so when his Pat, when his boy Patrick was, was just a little boy, his father, Patrick's father, taught Patrick how to read Braille. 
Well, wow, was his father blind? No, his father can see just fine. Did did his father know Braille? No, his father learned Braille in order to teach his son Braille. But that's not all. Patrick's father taught Patrick how to play the piano. Patrick's father taught Patrick how to play the trumpet. And in high school, they would have the marching bands. And Patrick wanted to be part of the marching band. Well, he couldn't march. He's in a wheelchair. Can't walk. So his father would push him. His wheelchair while Patrick sat there and played the trumpet. And Patrick wanted to go to university. He finished uh, high school. He wanted to go to university. Patrick's father went with him and also earned a degree. You say, well, Patrick's father, what was he a millionaire? No, he was just an ordinary guy. He worked for UPS. He had a graveyard shift and that allowed him to spend his days helping his son. And then he would work the graveyard shift to put bread on the table, keep a roof over their heads. Patrick came to the microphone that day and he proudly said these words, my dad is my hero. And rightfully so. Today we're going to learn three principles of fatherhood that can turn any dad into a hero. That's why I asked you dads, are you a hero to your kids? Now, young men, listen up carefully because you may be a father one day. And these things will help you. Let's begin with a word of prayer, shall we? And close our eyes and pray. Heavenly Father, it's a treat to be able to call you Father. And not everyone in the world can because you're not their Father. They've never been born again into your family through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for every one of your children all over the world who have come to that point of realizing that they're on their way to a Christless eternity, a place called hell because of their sin. And they need to do something about that. They need to go to the only one that can help. And that's Jesus. We pray, Oh, heavenly father, that you would help us as a church to share that gospel. Good news with everyone we possibly can while we still can do it. We thank you for the fathers. We ask that you'd bless and sanctify them and grant them great wisdom. Lord, I pray this message would be a help to all the fathers and the future fathers so that we can be better fathers. Our heavenly father, you really are a hero to us in so many ways. Help us to pass this on down now to our children by being to them what you are to us. And we'll thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Well, I'd like to, um, where's my clicker? I got my clicker today, my famous clicker. And we're going to take a look at this business of fatherhood. And the Bible in particular here, the Old Testament has some amazing truth for us about fathers, about fatherhood. So, Is my clicker clunked? 
Okay. All right. Anyhow, what you see in front of you are two Hebrew letters and it, it means father. Um, Hebrew is read from the right to the left. That's how you read the language. So that's the Aleph and that's the Beit, like A-B. And we'd say Ab. Uh, you've heard of Abba? Abba, father. Abba is sort of how uh, the little children would say it. And it's like, instead of dad, daddy. It has that equivalent. If you're born again, you can go to the heavenly father and say, Abba, call him daddy. Isn't that wonderful? That's the family of God for you. So um, in the old Testament, we have my clicker's not clicking. Pastor Deviant, are there any batteries in my clicker? Yeah, there's batteries. How come it's not clicking? Try once more. No. All right, you're going to need to click it for me. Would you click? David, would you push the button? There we go. All right, good. So there you have it, the ab. Now, Hebrew, I, I may as well throw this out because someone is going to try and correct me on it. Hebrew has uh, little dots. They're called nikud. And they put these little dots in there to show us pronunciation. And you'll see it in a minute. But the letter B can be pronounced two ways. And if there's a little dot right there, it hardens the sound and makes it b, b. But if there's no dot and there's no dot there, it's like v, v. And so this is properly pronounced of, of. Okay, there I've said it. Now, someone's not going to save you having to send me an email or a text saying, Pastor, you didn't tell. Now I did. Okay, so there you go. So ab or av means father or principal or chief or the head. In a family, it means the father. And we have an example here. Now, Raham means a multitude. Raham means a multitude, a multitude of people. Now, can anyone see where this is going? Yes. You put them both together and you get Ab or Av, Raham, father of a multitude. Now, sometimes, see this little note here I've got for you. Sometimes in the names, they throw this little I. So instead of just Ab, it's Abi. See that? But it means the same thing. So they'll take this prefix meaning father and they'll add it to different, different to make a name. Like in this case, father of a multitude, Ab Raham, father of a multitude. You see that? Okay. Sometimes when they're adding this to another word, they'll throw in this little E. It's, they would pronounce it in Hebrew. E, the Avi, Avi is how they would pronounce that in Hebrew. Okay. Now, are you ready to go with me on this? Okay, that was your little Hebrew lesson. So if anyone asks you if you know a little Hebrew, <laughs> you can say yes. All right. I'd like you to turn in the Bible to Judges, chapter 6. Go back to the Old Testament and book of Judges. So that's an easy one to find. 
after the Pentateuch, you've got Joshua, then you've got Judges. And we're going to go to chapter six. We're going to take a look at three fathers in the Bible. And we're going to learn important lessons from each one. And these lessons are going to help make us fathers into heroes, heroes to our children. And so in Judges chapter six and uh, verse 33 and 34, it says, then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the East were gathered together and went over and pitched in the Valley Jezreel. So in other words, the bad guys were coming up against the good guys. These are all of the bad guys here. Verse 34, but the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet and Abiezer was gathered after him. Abiezer was originally a man's name, but it became known as like a family, a group, a multitude, almost a tribe uh, by this man. So he had a lot of kids and their kids had kids and grandchildren, great grandchildren and so on. They just multiplied so the people in Gideon's day, and there's a whole flock of them, a whole gaggle of them, and they were known as Abiezer. Now, let's just take a look at this name. We have uh, what we would say Ezer or Ezer, as they would pronounce it in, in Hebrew. It means help. And as an example of that, thought we had an example of that. No, we're going to take the Av, or in this case, Avi. You see that? Abi, Avi, and then Ezer. And that's how you uh, write it in Hebrew. Right there, see? Avi. These two little things here make up the E, the E sound. Avi, Ezer. Ezer. That's an R, pronounced R, R, like that. Avi, Ezer. Okay? We, in English, we'd say Abi, Ezer. Something like that. Abi, Ezer would be fine as well. Now, um, what does it mean? It means helpful father. That's what it means. Helpful father or my father is helpful. So this is point one. Folks, this is really important here. Um, these people, when, when Gideon blew the trumpet, he said, we need help. Uh, there's a time of war. The bad guys are coming. And he blew the trumpet. And all these people came to help. This is the point here. See, where did they, where they get that from? They got, they got that from their father, from their great, great grandfather. That quality was passed right along from father to son. Helpfulness, generosity, if you will, helpfulness. That's very important that we, uh, not so much generosity, but helpfulness. Helpfulness is a better word, helpfulness. And they would have gotten that from their father, Abiezer. And so here, a real father is a helpful father. That's the point. That's what we're trying to say here with this first example. A real father, a hero father is a helpful father. Say, how can I be helpful? Number one, you have to put in the time. You have to put in the time. If you're going to be helpful, you have to be there. You can't be an absent father. It's not good. It's not healthy. If dad is away from home, for long extended periods of time. That's not healthy. Now there may be times in life where there's no other way. You, you can't get around it. But as soon as you start busting up the home, breaking up the home, you're going to invite trouble. You need to have mom and dad together in the home 
It's a full-time job to raise kids for the Lord. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Even then, you still need all the help from God you can get because you'll run into things that you have not a clue what to do with. COVID caught the world by surprise. COVID caught the churches by surprise. We've never been through anything like this. They never taught us in Bible college how to run a church and pastor a church during COVID. They never taught us that because they didn't know it back then. We're just following the Lord and on our knees and going day to day and we're getting through it and God's blessing. Hallelujah. But in parenthood and as a father, you're going to come upon things and you're going to say, what is this? I never went through anything like that when I was a kid. Here are my kids facing some new temptation or they got questions for me or something. And you're definitely going to need God's help, but you have to be there. A real father is willing to put in the time it takes to be faithful to his children and to be a help. So number one, put in the time. Number two, earn their trust. You must earn their trust. Now, in the case of some fathers, when their kids maybe are semi growing up or completely growing up and they might be thinking, I've missed out. No, you haven't. These three fathers I'm going to introduce you today. These three lessons, life lessons will help repair and restore broken relationships. Think of it. Even now, if your kids are growing up and the relationship isn't all that, that good, you can fix that. Number one is be a help. Be a help. Put in the time. You need to earn their trust. Now, emphasis on earn. When the children are just little, it's easy to earn their trust. There's sort of a natural built-in thing there. But as they grow up and they develop friends and distance begins to emerge between the father and the children, you need to bridge that. You need to somehow earn their trust. And that takes time. So you have to earn their trust in order for your children to see you as a helper. They must first come to trust your word and trust your promises. Always breaking promises to your children is one of the fastest ways to destroy their trust in you. Because any promise they say, yeah, right. I believe it when I see it. That's sad, isn't it? Maybe some of you grew up in a situation like that. And your dad made promise after promise that was broken and he never came through. Don't make promises you can't keep. But when you make a promise, you keep it. You keep it. Number one, put in the time. Number two, earn their trust. Number three, teach them how to succeed in life. There are so many children that grow up and out the door they go and they're not prepared for life. They're honestly not prepared and they stumble and get into all kinds of problems because they've not been properly prepared for life. Now, dad, you know, you've been down the road. You've been through the school of hard knocks. You've been around the block more than once. You know that life can be brutal and there are scam artists and there's all kinds of pitfalls to life. And you need to train your kids because you think of it. You've only got a short time, 18 years, 20 years. And generally then they're gone out the door, maybe a way off to, some university or something, or maybe they've starting a career someplace and they move away, whatever they're gone. So you only have 18 or 20 years. 
That's not a lot of time, but it is sufficient if you do it right. It's sufficient. You need to help them to learn about personal cleanliness. You need to help them to learn social interaction, how to get along with people. And that isn't always easy. We've learned that, haven't we, adults? Some people are just very difficult to get along with. And we need to teach our children how to get along with people. Take an interest in their schooling, like Patrick's father did. Teach them about God. Teach them about salvation and Bible reading and church attendance. Caution them about scam artists in the world and con artists. Caution them and teach them the wise handling of money. Often men have trouble on that end of the scale. You know, they tend to spend more than they have coming in. They live above their means. Not all men, but a lot of them do. But teach them the wise handling of money according to God's word. The Bible has a lot to say on the handling of money. So absolutely, a good father is going to be a helper to his children. Now we have to move along here. And so we come to our second father. Let's turn to the right in the Bible. And we come to Samuel. We want first Samuel. Samuel's broken up into two books. First Samuel chapter seven. Now remember the word for father in Hebrew of it means the head or the leader, the beginner. Um, dad needs to take the lead when it comes to helping. He needs to be a very active, proactive helper in the home. Number two is he needs to be generous. Now in chapter seven of first Samuel verses one and two, you have an amazing thing that happened. The men of Kirjath Jearim, that's a town. So the men of this town came and fetched up the ark of the Lord. Say, what's the ark of the Lord doing there? You know, that box with the two angels over top. Remember that ark of the covenant box, the Philistines took it. And so God gave them a hard time and they had all kinds of problems. And so they said, we got to get rid of this. And so they put it on an ox cart, pointed it toward Israel and slapped the off. They went and this is how the Ark of the Covenant came back to Israel. So what are we going to do with it? So the men of Kirjath Jearim, they fetched up the Ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of, what's that name? Abinadab. That's how we say it. Anyhow, it means, well, let's take a look at it. Nadab means willingness or generosity. That's the idea of Nadab. We add the Abi to it and we get Abinadab. And it means a willing father or the idea is my father's generous. He's very willing. And here you have the, the Hebrew up here. Avi, there's that V again. Nadav. Avinadav. Avinadav. So that's how it would be said in Hebrew. Abinadab is how we would say it. In English, sounds a little different, doesn't it? Sometimes names are like that. 
You know, they say it one way in its native, the native language. And then when they come to Canada, you know, it's, uh, it comes out different. <laughs> so that happens. So we have here Abinadab and he's a member of the tribe of Judah. And he lived in this little town called Kirjath Jerim. And he, he is, you know, the, the knocks on the door. Uh, Abinadab, would you please look after the Ark of the Covenant? Now look at verse two. And it came to pass while the Ark abode in Kirjath Jerim that the time was long for it was 20 years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. So 20 years, the Ark of the Covenant stayed. That's, that's a lot of generosity, folks. That's a lot of willingness to have that in your home for 20 years. That is a big responsibility to have the Ark of the Covenant, God's Ark of the Covenant in your home. And so we have here this amazing man, this generous father, but I think he was known for his hospitality. He was known for his generosity and his willingness. That's why they came to him. They came to the father of generosity, the father of willingness. Well, a real father is not only helpful to his children, but is generous. He's not stingy. He's not cheap. He has a good, happy, giving spirit. Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven, verse 11, he said these interesting words. He said, if ye then being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. You remember reading that in the Bible? And so the idea is that here we are very imperfect. We got sin problems, folks. But if we know how to give good, proper gifts, if we're generous to our children with, with uh, good gifts, how much more is our heavenly father toward us? That's the teaching there in Matthew seven eleven. So here we have a real father, Abinadab, and he was generous and he was very willing. Now the Bible says that children are a gift from God. So if you're here today and you're a, a father or a mother, you have children. Those children are a gift from God. That's what they are in your home, a gift to God in your heart, a gift from God. So a real father is generous toward his children because Psalm 127 verse three says, lo children are an heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. A real father is generous. He's going to be very willing and generous toward his children. Now we've already seen in point number one, that a, a real father, a hero father is generous with his time. And here we see that a real father is generous also with his money and with his things. You consider our heavenly father toward us. And Psalm 68, 19 says, blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. Even the God of our salvation, Selah. Wow. God daily loads us with benefits and you've got benefits. God has blessed you with benefits. Someone says, Oh, woe is me. I don't have as much as others have. Oh, woe is me. Oh, count your many blessings. Stop and think about it. Take a pen and paper and start writing it down. Well, I've got pretty good health. I've got a reasonable mind. I'm not in total idiot. Got a reasonable mind. 
I've got food, clothes, I've got a place to live. Maybe you've got some toys in your home, like a computer or a toaster. You know, there's a lot of people in the world don't even have a toaster. Did you know that Solomon in all his glory never had a cell phone? You probably have a cell phone. In that area, you are richer than Solomon. Isn't that right? Because if cell phones were around in Solomon's day, do you think Solomon would have had a cell phone? Yes. If they were around in his day, he would have had it. He had everything that there was to be had in his day. But I'll tell you, he never had an automobile. No, he didn't. I wonder if he had indoor plumbing. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? In many ways, you are richer than Solomon. Look at all of the many blessings, the benefits God has given you. Number two, Psalm 103 verse two says, blessed be the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Psalm 116 verse 12, what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Listen, a real father, a hero father is generous toward his children. But I hasten to say, not to the point of spoiling them. Children can be spoiled by giving them everything they ask for, everything they want, give it to them, give it to them, give it to them. They grow up thinking the world owes them a living. They grow up to be spoiled. And a real father is generous, but not to the point of spoiling his children. It's like our heavenly father. He's generous toward us, but not to the point of spoiling us. There's a fine line. Oftentimes, mothers have a good of wisdom in this area. And maybe dads ought to listen to mom's suggestions. And so dad, don't let your children live like rug rats. Don't allow that to happen. You know, that's a problem that a lot of pastors find in the ministry. That there's not a lot of money in the ministry. And so you, you're always kind of raising your kids with used things and little bits of here and there and haywire to tie things together. Sometimes the kids can grow up resenting that and they hate the ministry. They hate the church. And so please do everything you can to make sure that your children have a full and happy life and, and memories Make sure that you have happy memories. This is all part of generosity. If you want your children to live for God and be generous toward God, father, you need to set the example, mark it down. A good father should be generous toward his children. Now, number three, let's go to Chronicles. So we turn to the right. See, I kept all of this nice and easy. Turn to the right past the Kings. You get the Chronicles and you want second Chronicles. Chapter 13, 2 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 1. It says, now in the 18th year of King Jeroboam, that's the guy over in the northern tribes of Israel, the 10 northern tribes, began Abijah. He was in the southern part of Israel to reign over Judah. And let's see here. I think I have verse 10 up there. I think we'll just delete that. We'll just stick with verse one. Here is a man named Abijah. 
Um, he was the great grandson of King David. How about that? That's quite a lineage, isn't it? To say your great grandfather was King David. Not everyone could say that. So let's look at his name. Ah, there we are. So there you have Yah, which is a shortened form of Yahovah. So it means the Lord. And then you, there's an example there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So there's the Yah part. And then you add the Abi to Yah. And you have Abijah. And there you have the Hebrew of it. Avi. Yah, Aviyah, Aviyah, and it means the Lord is my father, or my father worships the Lord. That's a pretty good name, don't you think? Pretty good name. Now, this particular fellow, he was a good king, but he did a few things he shouldn't have done. We won't get into that. But he was generally he was a he was a good old boy. But he's here to illustrate for us this third quality. That'll help turn a dad into a hero. A real father is not only helpful and generous, but a real father worships the Lord. The Lord God has a huge place in his heart. God comes number one, true worship from the heart. Now, you remember our Bible verse this morning that we read in Ephesians chapter six, the passage Verse four, ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Father, you can only do that if you yourself love the Lord. Fathers sometimes make a pretense, you know, on the outside. Oh, I'm a holy man. Yeah, I love God. But on the inside and the kids live on the inside. Not so holy. Well, that's where it happens that kids reject the God of their fathers. Oh yeah, my dad, you know, he was all prim and proper on Sunday, but you should have seen him on Monday. Oh yeah, he would sing the hymns, great is thy faithfulness and I surrender all. He sang those on Sunday. But on Monday, you wouldn't know it. And what we really need are fathers that worship the Lord seven days a week. A father who can act properly on Monday, the way he does on Sunday. I think we have that here in Abijah. It's good. I think father, listen, a couple suggestions from father to father. I just want to make a suggestion. It's good. It's a good idea. If when you go to prayer, you leave your door open once in a while. So your children can walk past and see you on your knees at home, praying to God. That's a good thing. Make sure that your kids have some memories of you worshiping the Lord, getting on your knees and praying there in the home. It's a good idea to have a family altar. Not once in a while, but if your kids are small or smaller and growing up in the home, have a family altar every day. You can do it. You just got to make time for it. Oh, we're so busy. Eh, you're, maybe you're too busy. 
Before you know it, your kids are going to be gone and they're going to have kids and they're not going to have a family altar either. The scientists talk about the second law of thermodynamics where things tend to wind down. And we need to set a high standard living for the Lord so that our children, if they are going to wind down, they're not going to wind down that much. Hopefully they'll maintain, or maybe even they'll exceed us. It's not going to happen. If the fathers do not worship the Lord, let the kids see you on your knees praying. Maybe let even let them hear you interceding and praying for them. Great memories. Have a family altar time where you uh, have a little Bible lesson. The worst thing you can do, dad, if you, especially if your children are young, all right, children, sit down. We're going to have a one-hour Bible lesson. I'm going to start reading to you from the book of Leviticus. There will be a test. The kids are going to want to die. I want to commit suicide, Dad. Can I commit suicide? I don't want to sit through this anymore. What a mistake, Dad. Don't, don't make it so boring for your kids. There's lots and lots of resources available. Get something for the children. Not a long, long time because the kids don't have that much patience. They get a small attention span. So keep it to five minutes or something. Read a Bible verse, tell them a story, have a word of prayer. Do that every day. You can always expand on it as they get older. But I think it's a good idea to have some kind of, of application for the kids and a family altar. It's a good idea to make going to church fun. Okay, kids, we're going to go to church. Sometimes the kids say, I don't want to go to church. So what do you do? Oh, all right. Then we won't go to church. What a mistake. How can you worship God? How can you train up your children in the, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord like that? So you make going to church a fun thing is what you do. Hey, we get to go to church today. Not everyone gets it. We do. Yes. Yes. Encourage your kids. If you were going to take them to Disneyland or something. Oh, rats. We have to go to Disneyland. You know, that's not how you would do it. You'd, you'd do this. I'll tell you exactly what you would do. You'd say, uh, hold on here. Let me get a prop. You'd say, hey, kids, I'm holding tickets for something. What am I holding? What am I holding? It's Disneyland. Yay. And the kids spit and slobber and crawl across the ceiling. And everyone runs around and hugs one another. And then it's time to go to the house of the Lord. Um, who wants to go to church today? Not me. Not me. Is it catching? Train up your children in the nurture and admonition. Make it so that they can see God is real in your life because you worship the Lord. I think it's just an important thing for sure. A good father will worship God and teach it to his children. Now, listen, in conclusion, dad, I ask you, how's it going? If you're watching over the internet and you're a father, are you a hero to your children? That's a good question to ask. It's not unfair. That's a good question. I believe that these three illustrations here, these three fathers that we've looked at, they will help us to become a hero. And it's never too late to work on restoring broken relationships. One of the wonderful things 
about John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, was that it was said he would help turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the, the sons to the fathers. Broken relationships have been around for thousands of years. The devil specializes in them. Sometimes it happens in good families. What do we do? Well, we start and we do repair work. And maybe the repair work has to start in our heart first. And so as a father, are you a helpful father? As a father, are you a generous father? As a father, are you a worshiper of God? I mean, true worshiper of God daily. That's what I mean. How do your children see you, dad? Let me tell you something about a man. He was a father. His name was Henry Jackson Smart. M-S-M-A-R-T. Smart was his last name. Henry was a good man. And his wife died on him. And all of a sudden, Henry Jackson Smart was left to raise six young children all alone. His courage, his love, his selflessness, his dedication inspired his daughter. His daughter's name was Sonora. Sonora Smart. She married a guy named Dodd. Sonora Smart Dodd. That was her name. But Sonora loved her dad and thought he was a hero. And so Sonora organized the very first Father's Day, which was held on June 19th, 1910, 110 years ago. Because a father was a hero to his children. Dad, are you a hero to your children? It's a good question. Why don't we talk to the Lord about it now? Let's pray. Dear wonderful heavenly father, you are a hero to us. Father, I pray for all of the, the earthly dads of which I am one. And none of us are perfect. Certainly not me. Heavenly father, I pray that you would please move in the hearts of every earthly dad that hears this sermon and motivate them to want to be a better dad a hero in the eyes of their children, their sons and their daughters. Please, I pray, give them all the wisdom they need. Give them the, the power of the Holy Spirit to be helpful and generous and worshipful. Give them all of the tools they need to be a blessing to their children, even if the children are wayward. Heavenly Father, I also pray for, for any father or, or mother in that, in, in that respect who's not saved, who's not yet born again. Religious, yes, but born again, no, not yet. Please show them that this is their first order of business. They need to make sure that they are saved and born again. Please work in hearts. Oh, we love you. We just adore you, Heavenly Father. Thank you that we can do a, a special day like this to honor the fathers. And we'll thank and praise you, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name.
Amen. Boy, it's great to be together, isn't it? In the house of the Lord. Aren't you thankful? Another blessing of God. You get to come to church. Hallelujah. One more thing, folks, that we must never take for granted. Yeah, oh, this miserable old COVID. Yeah, well, I agree with you. I don't like it any more than you do. But it is what it is, and we have to put up with it until the Lord moves it away or takes us home. And so we'll do the best we can. And one of the things that we can do is that we can worship the Lord with our giving. Worshiping the Lord with our giving is so very important. And I want to encourage you to do that. Now, Psalm 103 is for us today, the word of the Lord. Every Sunday morning, I try to read for you the word of the Lord before we honor God with our giving, our tithes and offerings. And that's another thing, by the way, children sometimes watch their dad spend exorbitant amounts of money on things, but they're penny pinchers when it comes to supporting the Lord's work. And so they grow up believing that God's work isn't that important. And so they don't need to give, but that's not true. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle's. On it goes. It is an unbelievably beautiful psalm. The word of the Lord. Today, we don't have the ushers because of COVID to pass the offering baskets, but we have a box on the back. If you would put in your tithes and offerings, if you need the use of one of the electronic things for credit card or debit, we can do that after church if you're interested. If you're watching online, we want to encourage you to right now go to the donation page and to give your tithes and your faith promise for missions. If you would do that and honor the Lord.